Hello, and welcome to Health and Fitness Redefined. I'm your host, Anthony Amen. Join me today as we take a dive into the world of health and fitness, where we learn how to overcome adversity, depict facts versus fiction, and see health and fitness in a whole new light. Today, we have a very exciting episode with the chosen Juan. That's right. That is his name. He did not make that up. He was born with it. Or at least I like to tell myself that. But I'm excited to get him on, so we're going to pull him on into here. And welcome to the show, Juan. It's a pleasure having you. It's a pleasure being here, man. And you're right. Uh, it's on my birth certificate. It says the chosen one, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the way it kind of flows together. It's really nice. Yeah, I actually have a funny story on how I got this name, too. Um, oh, now I need to know. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, uh, so I used to be a security guard at, uh, at Ross. And so I would always just kind of be, like, at the front, like, near the entrance. And uh, one day I was just chilling, just like a regular day. And some girl that I hadn't seen since, like, high school. And it was, like, probably, like, three years after high school. And, uh, she just like walked by the doors opened and she was just like, it's the chosen one. And then she like left. And then I never saw her again. And then like later, later that night, I was just like, wow, that kind of had a really cool ring to it. And then I changed my Instagram to my Instagram name to that. And then it just kind of stuck. <laughs> and then that, that was it. I never saw the girl after like, yeah. So I, if I ever do see her again, I'm going to tell her, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for officially branding me. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, it's an absolute pleasure, man, to get you on. I know we were kind of going back and forth to schedule the show, and we finally got a date, so I'm super excited. But why don't you tell our audience listening a little bit about yourself? I know you were talking, you're into powerlifting, online coaching, one-on-one training, so you're kind of like a one-stop shop, which is pretty awesome. So tell us a little bit of why you got into fitness and why you decided to become a trainer. Yeah, the, the best way that I like to describe myself is that I'm like one of those nerdy kids who just got into fitness. And uh, I started working out in 2012. I was a senior in high school. And the way that I got into it was because I ended up getting injured uh, for basketball. I ended up like messing up my ankle and I knew that I wasn't going to go anywhere with it. Plus, no, I don't think anybody wants to recruit a five foot six like Mexican kid that only weighed like 120 pounds. So I ended up uh, getting into the gym uh, shortly after somebody introduced me to powerlifting and I loved it so much. I ended up deciding to coach it. And ever since then, uh, I've been a personal trainer. So I've been a personal trainer probably for like eight years now. And uh, I compete in powerlifting. Uh, the top competitions that I've competed in is the uh, International Powerlifting League World Championships, uh, which I won the first place for that. Uh, earlier or uh, late last year, I competed in nationals and got second place for that. And pretty much my goals with just powerlifting and fitness is just to help as many people as possible be known as one of the best trainers. I'm, I'm a very competitive person. So I think that anything that you do in life, you should try to be the best version of yourself when doing it. Isn't that true? <laughs> yep. Best put forward in everything, whether it's from making sure your house is tidy to running a business, to showing up to work, to where to just, I feel like this should encompass more than just, Hey, I want to make money. It should be, Everything in life kind of put your best foot forward and you get the best results out of it. Even with fitness too, like I think that you're eventually it has to be more than just I'm only doing this for health reasons or I'm only doing this because I want to look good for other people. Like eventually it has to evolve into something more. Otherwise, you just you probably won't do it. Even if even if it becomes a habit, like I I've never met anybody who just continued to work out and work out for and then got like a really amazing body just because it was for like health reasons, you know, 
like most people ended up doing it because it inspires other people or maybe it's uh it's a to like be a figure in like the online space or something yeah and you were talking a little bit about how you said you were playing basketball correct mm-hmm. and that kind of inspired you to go about and get involved with the fitness it's, it's pretty pretty intriguing what position first of all because i'm very curious yeah, I used to play point guard. I was I was literally the, literally the shortest person. But just like how I'm obsessed now with like powerlifting, that's how I used to be with basketball. Like I loved it. Like I would get home from school at like 2:30 p.m. and I would be playing till like 9 or 10 p.m. So when I got injured and I knew I wasn't going to be able to play college basketball, uh, I needed to like fi- fill that void with something else. And like powerlifting and fitness definitely helps. What was the injury? I, I tore ligaments in my ankle. I like was lateral stepping and then my foot hit somebody else's foot and it like internally rotated and dude, it hurts so much. Like my foot swelled up like huge. It was huge. Like I couldn't even fit most of my socks and I, I couldn't put uh, fit my shoe in, in my foot. That must've taken a long time to heal. <laughs> yeah. I would. So I was able to get up and like walk, like walking like with a limp probably like in a month and a half, but even probably for like, three years after that it never it didn't feel like it didn't feel the same like squatting was always like really difficult to like evenly distribute weight on my ankles and stuff like that but luckily um i discovered squat shoes which is like little shoes that have like a heel on there and they they help a lot with like artificially creating ankle mobility oh cool that's a little interesting thing but i i love the this is my favorite part about our field in general it's all the people that we're inspiring to do something. And then life said, no, you're not supposed to go this route. Quabam, injury. And then before you know it, you're projecting the exact opposite way. It's just like my very similar story. Like, but my injury and only reason I'm bringing it up is because yesterday I got a reminder on Facebook that it was 11 years ago to yesterday's date. And that was just like surreal to me. Like if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be here. And I bet you feel the same way. Yeah. A lot of people always ask me like, Oh, what what is your like five-year goal? What's your 10-year goal? And do you, do you remember on Instagram? Uh, it was like last year when the, the 10 year challenge was trending. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like people would post like their before photo of like 10 years where they were at. And then now, and then I I, like saw mine and I saw, I was just like, wow, like 10 years ago really doesn't feel like that long ago, but I, I feel like a completely different person. So after seeing that, I like even reflected back on like the previous year. And like the goals that I had and I was like, they've completely changed. So like, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of like my mindset now too, with like just goals is that they're always going to change. Like all you can do is just really roll with the punches and just kind of pretty much live in the moment, I guess. I love it. And I want to talk a little bit more specifically about powerlifting. Cause that's more of your forte, right? Fair to say. But, yep. So first let's take this from someone like yourself, like, do you have a powerlifting coach yourself or did you in the past? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Yes, I do. I've had multiple powerlifting coaches and I still do. So what helped you decide who to go with? Was it a recommendation? What, where did you start to look like, hey, let me find this powerlifting coach? Because a lot of people know it, especially from like the previous episode we did where your one-on-one coaches to your powerlifting coaches to your CrossFit coaches, everybody's different. And everyone has their own separate niche. So how did you find your powerlifting coach? Yeah, that's such, that's such a good question, by the way, because like nobody, nobody's ever asked me that. So that's that's awesome. 
So the way that I found a powerlifting coach was from years of just scrolling through a lot of different YouTube videos and just always trying to find like the best information and who, who uh, actually genuinely seemed like they cared. And uh, I ended up finding somebody named Bryce Lewis. So shout out to him. He was my very first powerlifting coach. He was actually the, uh, the drug, drug-free uh, nationals raw champion in the 220-pound weight class, I believe. Crazy strong guy. Has like wow. an 800-pound deadlift. Like I think close, close to like a 500-pound bench press, like 700-pound squat. Strong guy. Super smart. Always talk about the science and, uh, the science and everything. He also had a lot of strong athletes. So pretty much just the way that anybody finds somebody is just through online. So online, you were scrolling the YouTube and it turned out, did you, but how specifically did you find someone in your area? Because you can be looking at YouTube and it could be, oh, that person's in a totally different country than me. Darn it. (laughs) Yeah. So no, he was actually my online coach. So he wasn't my in-person coach. And I was looking for people that in the, in the area, but uh, honestly, I just didn't find anybody that I could relate to. And this was back in like 2013-ish where powerlifting actually, it was still kind of growing, like especially in my area. Um, like I'm in uh, Orange County, Southern California, probably like about an hour away from LA for those who don't know. And at that point, I think we maybe maybe only had one powerlifting gym in the area. The, uh, the next powerlifting gym was probably uh, like an hour drive. And I was not, I was not willing to make that drive. So I found uh, him as an online coach and it worked really, really well because uh, it was, it was a lot more affordable than in-person personal training. And at this point I had a minimum wage paying job and he did a really good job at just like explaining everything and breaking it down, which ended up teaching me a lot on like how, how to run my business. But uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it was. So it was the online market that kind of pulled you in. And this is the question I'm going to ask that I feel like a lot of people have is when you're finding an online trainer, right? So how do you know one, their credentials? I know you're talking about YouTube and the way he spoke, but how do they watch you? And I know you could talk about experience with your clients on that. So how do you know your clients deadlifting correctly? How do you know your clients squatting correctly? Um, How do you keep them more accountable to do these things? Because it's usually just sending them a program, hope they work on it, get back to you. And they go, yeah, 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 I did it. (laughs) Or yeah. I took six minute breaks between each set. <laughs> good, good so how question. do you keep accountability for both ends and how do they keep accountability on you? So in the initial like startup process, we always do a consultation call and I'll have them, um, have them send me th- at least three videos of their lifts, the squat bench and deadlift. Uh, I tell them if they can send me more to send me more and from multiple angles. And that way I can correct them right then and there, like what to do ahead of time. And, then in the meantime, after their program is written, uh, I, I give on the pro and the, um, I have this app, it's called trainerize. And on this app, it shows you videos on how to perform the exercise and I can write them notes. And I write a lot of specific notes on like what to do with like rest times. And again, I have them film, film at least one to two videos per workout and then send them to me. And then after that is when I'll correct them. And yeah, on top of all of that, I tell them that communication is key. I'm totally fine with giving my phone number to my clients. A lot of trainers aren't willing to do that, but I do because I know just how important it is for people to um, have somebody who kind of feels like they're there with them 24-7. Even though I'm not actually physically there with them, like it's easy. Like They can reach me anytime. That's very – I like that because that's how like I feel like trainers should be. 
hey, here's my number. Let's have more of a established professional relationship as opposed to just I'm kind of like a foreign entity online because you kind of lose that disconnect of person to person, which really helps motivate. That's a, that's a good way to do it. I, I like that. Thank you. Yeah, the videos like uh, like certain like like cookie cutter programs where it's just like somebody downloads it, like you pay like fifty dollars and they're off and they're doing it by themselves. I, I rarely have ever seen those like work in the long run. Well, that's actually a good point, and I kind of want to elaborate on that because I know what that means, cookie cutter, but I don't think the audience does. <laughs> so, in our field as professionals, we know. But I want you to explain it for the audience. Take like, what is a cookie cutter workout? How can you tell, and why it does it not work? Kind of explain that for us a little bit. I'm so happy that I get to talk about this. So, yeah, a cookie cutter program is where pretty much. It's just a generalized program for the for the entire public. It's not. Uh, it wasn't customized for you and your goals, your body type, your lifestyle, your probably your past injuries. And the way that you could tell if if it's a cookie cutter program is if number one, like you download it or you buy it without the person knowing anything about your past or, like I said, your lifestyle or injury background, and. When you uh, when you download this program too, it'll probably not have any like specific weights for you to do. It probably won't give you different options. Like for example, if like let's say you have to do a chest supported T bar row, and if your gym doesn't have a T bar row and you don't know how to replace it, it's probably a cookie cutter program. And the reason why this probably won't work for you is because of that. It's like it's not gonna um, it's not gonna be very dynamic. It's not gonna be flexible. Therefore, you're going to be leaving a lot of gains in the tank. So that's why I always say the best for the best results, get a customized program that's been written by a coach. Yeah, especially because you never truly know a person. And what I mean by that is I've spoken about a couple times before on the show, but it's just so funny. I have to keep saying it. One of those like online coaches through Instagram, I think she had something dumb like 3 million followers. And I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. She used to sell her booty programs and get a butt like me, do my program. I think it was like six months ago. She ended up being rushed to the ER because her butt muscle exploded from injecting too much steroids into it. Oh, wow. And it was all over the news. But that's my point where that program didn't get her booty like that dough. You know, <laughs> it was yeah, more the yes. steroids that she was injecting into it. I, and man, dude, that, that pisses me off so much. Like that's why I got into the, into the fitness industry because people look up to you. Like if you have a nice body, like that, that really does come with like a lot of responsibility. And I just feel like, dude, it's your due diligence to be putting out like good information. And you, you really will never know who's watching. Like you might just be posting something just to post it. And some kid out there will probably really take it to heart, you know? And I I think like uh, if, if that, that, if that's one thing that I feel like the fitness industry can change with, is like people people being more aware of um, people who are enhanced and stuff like that. And like, not that I have any problems with like people who are enhanced, but just like letting people know that, hey, like it's, this is uh, just because somebody has a good body, it doesn't necessarily mean that they give out the best information. Yeah. And I, I agree with what you said. There's something wrong with not being clean. You want to, inject steroids, you want to take tests, you want to do HDH, go for it. But I think like you said, you owe the public, hey, I'm like this, 
because I work out really hard, but I also supplement this. And you know what? That's not going to hurt them. And I think that's what they think. They think if they post it, that's going to hurt them. What I think actually would happen is they start becoming niche where it's more like, you know, people that are on anabolic steroids. Hey, if you follow me, you want to look like me. I'll give you exactly what I was doing and you'll get more of a niche that way out of it. And people will respect you more. And I think that's what it's really about, earning that respect. Because if they found out down the line that you weren't telling the full truth, that's what's going to hurt you. I 100% agree. And there's actually a lot of people in the uh, like YouTube and like the fitness world who are, who are open about it. And it doesn't, it doesn't kill their fan base at all. Like, in fact, I think a lot more people respect them for that. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much my thoughts on that. <laughs> I like it, man. I like the way it's more like rationale that way. So what else could somebody do when they're looking for an online coach, especially, especially powerlifting where, it's set lifts is uh, just for my clarification. I'm not a power lifter, just full disclosure, but is it always those three lifts or is there different types of lifts? No, it's just the uh, squat bench press and deadlift. And it's uh, in competition. It's a one rep max. You get three attempts at each and you're uh, it pretty, they pretty much add up your total on the three. And then whoever has the highest total uh, based on the weight class and your age, that's how they decide the winner. Okay, and you have the option of going into like a clean one or an unclean one kind of deal? Yeah, so we have two uh, main powerlifting federations. We have the um, the IPF and the IPL. The IPF is uh, dr uh, drug tested, and then the IPL, uh, it, it has both. You can choose to compete drug tested or uh, non-drug tested. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. It's a little interesting tidbit or something. And I, I want to talk about something that you've probably have just because we're on the topic of steroids and drugs, just an interesting tidbit of a research article that came out about nine months ago, I think it was at this point, where they showed users, so as far as anyone, and especially with steroids, let's say they're 15 to 18 years old, They, especially sports, this is where it came out. They're football players. They want to get a little competitive edge. They're not really drug testing at that age. So they, they use for a few years mm -hmm. and then they get drafted. So they stop because they have to go clean, right? What they found out, which is very interesting, is that your muscle memory for those muscle is retained yeah. from the point you are your biggest or strongest. So it's easier for those people that did steroids 10 years ago to get back to that clean than it is for someone that's always been clean. So does that give them a competitive advantage in clean competitions because they did previously used? And if so, what are the repercussions where I see more injuries in football than I ever have before? And I kind of hold that to that. And that's what they were saying. Your muscles get too big where they tend to snap easier. And you see that all the time with football. They, uh, they're on the line. They say down set hike and the player just falls because they just rupture something. Do you have any information or feedback? Have you heard that before? Yeah, I've actually read that study that, that you are talking about. So in, in powerlifting, uh, even though it's a drug, one of the like the most controversial topics in like the powerlifting world is that uh, drug uh, drug tested doesn't mean drug free. Like a lot of the drug tests, as far as I'm aware, like they they probably can't like track something that's been in your system probably like a year ago. So 
since they they can't really like track that like nobody really cares i guess now uh in terms of uh bodybuilding what i believe what i've heard is that in like the drug-free bodybuilding competitions um one of the like you'll do like a lie detector test and i think like one of the questions is have you used anything in like the last five years and if uh obviously yeah if like if the answer is no and it shows up on the lie detector test that you're telling the truth you're free to uh to compete and you could compete uh drug tested but uh yeah I, there there is there is truth to that that like if you if you did take it previously you can and then you stop you can get back there easier that's a, that's 100 percent true very interesting. I didn't know they did a lie detector test. See, you learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know anybody could anybody could probably lie on a poly, on like a polygraph test. Like if you're a good liar, uh, it's easier. It's easy to cheat those tests. But I, you know, I like that they're at least going out of their way to try to make it somewhat legit. It, it would make someone nervous enough that doesn't know that that they wouldn't enter it. And I feel like you'd get most of the people kind of just say, eh. yeah, ex- exactly. And like you know, you're. I, I feel like uh, a lot of people are going to end up taking it. A lot of people, a lot of people end up doing it. Uh, I know I don't have ever have an issue with it as long as like people are honest with it. Interesting. All right, let's go back to the original where we were in kind of the beginning, where it's the finding a coach, it's finding yourself to be different. And you had do you have in person powerlifting clients? You do, right? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. So, can we talk about that? Like, what specific? tips and tricks are there to you give your clients that you don't mind sharing with us of uh, someone that's listening that maybe thought about being a power lifter if they can't afford a coach or maybe they can or maybe how to find one what's what kind of advice can you give them as they start going along this journey and want to compete yeah so i, I would definitely first and foremost say get a coach because all of the best athletes do and there, there's actually a study in bodybuilding or, or like a statistic where they asked like the uh, top pros and the uh, female and male hundred percent of the females that they asked all had a coach. And I think something like 50% of the pro men have a coach. And from my experience in powerlifting, uh, especially when I competed at like, at, when I compete at these top level competitions, all of, all of the top lifters have a coach. So that's first and foremost, have a coach in terms of how to know if it's a good coach, I would see who they, who they have trained. Like, have they trained people that want have one of that have, uh, reached a level that you, you've gotten to, and then secondly, but but probably just as important is, does their style of communication fit with you? So I've had certain powerlifting coaches where it's just email check-in and it's like email check-in like once a week. And then you probably don't really have too much access to them throughout the week. Those are usually going to be like uh, uh, cheaper options, like more affordable options. And then the coaches who you have like access to like seven days out of the week and like they respond almost like pretty, pretty like, um, like, uh, ace like asap they they respond like quickly they're usually going to be a little bit more expensive but i do think it's worth it because once i had a situation where i got injured on a friday monday was a holiday so i didn't even hear my about my i didn't hear from my coach until tuesday so i was freaking out for like four or five days wow yeah. so that that's uh my top advice uh my my next um the third piece of advice that i have is to do do it for fun because if you're doing powerlifting to try to like build a name or to try to like break records and stuff like that, you're probably not going to last in the sport because it's, it's very, it's a very repetitive sport. Like it's, it's just the same thing over and over. And if you're getting into it for the wrong reasons, you're probably just going to end up wasting a lot of time, wasting a lot of money. 
and probably even injured. The people who do powerlifting, like they do it because they love it. There is no money in powerlifting. Like even if you were to win the top competition, like it's sad. I think you only get like $400 to win like the world championships and be like the number one powerlifter. Like that doesn't even pay for a plane ticket. <laughs> it doesn't pay for the hotel, the food, the plane ticket. Yeah, nothing. So you, if you do powerlifting, you have to do it because you genuinely have a love for lifting heavy weight. I love it, man. It's more of the, it's a very passion sport and you, you see it. I've watched a couple of competitions. You can see on the person's face and I'm sure you feel it like the adrenaline just cause you're like so excited and pumped to be there and having similar people around you that are, are helping push you. And I know a lot of people who do it just because the competition pushes them to go heavier and they're like, Oh, that guy did it. I can do it. And more of like an ego and of excitement gets in the way for them. They really enjoy the sport. In every competition that I've been at, like you see, you see somebody who will like go for a PR, like the, la- the last competition that I was at, I had a client who uh, deadlifted 600 pounds and wow. yeah, it was crazy. And he, after he did that, he like ye- yelled really loud, like a really loud, like cheer. And that is like one of my favorite parts of powerlifting. Because anybody who powerlifts knows like, the grind that it takes to get to like a new PR, like the workouts are sometimes like three to four hours long. You wake up with like your joints hurting, not a soreness that you get when you do like drop sets and supersets. I'm talking like your joints hurt, your back is stiff, your knees hurt, <laughs> you're tired all day. You're doing the same thing over and over and over. So like when you finally get to like this personal record, you know, like this person had to give everything to get there. And it's one of the best feelings ever. That's, I love that. It's where it's, it's very different. That's why I kind of like talking about it. It's not something I'm used to in my field. So this is awesome. I'm learning a lot just from listening to you. <laughs> what kind of training style do you do? I'm all like rehab. So people that are coming out of surgery or any injuries, a lot of special needs training. So the total opposite side. <laughs> uh, you probably end up seeing like a lot of like strength athletes come to you and stuff, right? Um, more of a conditioning, but mm. oh, yeah, okay. a little bit. It's it's very it's very seldom. We're just the company itself is very more for like general population and not really specific to paralytics. That's why I like this topic. I have a yeah. question about weight classes. So, yeah. is it? I'm gonna assume, and I'm sure everyone else is gonna assume it's kind of like that boxing mentality where if you're just in a weight class you want to drop to get down how does that affect muscle growth how does that affect your diet there's got to be a lot of science that goes into this because i know there is for boxing so yeah. you have any insight on that Dude, these are such good questions man I'm, I'm, I'm loving this conversation like i said these are questions that I've, i love talking about this stuff and i rarely ever get them so yeah uh most powerlifters they do they do want to drop to a weight class because what every powerlifter does is they see the weight class that they're in, like the nearest one that they compete in, and then immediately they like go and look at the um, the winners who have won in like a powerlifting competition, or they look up the record holders, or they look up on Instagram like people. Because a lot of powerlifters, what they do is they like uh they in like their bio they put like their weight class. So if they're like 181 like 90 kilo powerlifter, like they put that. So it's easy to find like who your competition is, and Every time people see that and they see like just a, some really strong like 
person and they're just, they think that that's what powerlifting is. They think one uh, in one competition, like 10, 600 pound deadlifters are just going to show up. And that's not always the case. So what people do is they automatically think I'm going to drop down to the, to the next weight class. I'm going to do a crazy like diet and then like a water cut, water manipulate like 10 pounds and then just hit PRs and win first place. But it doesn't usually work out that way because powerlifting again it's a very it's a very intense sport there's there's a lot of studies that show powerlifting like when you're an elite at an, at an elite level you're burning like calories equivalent to like running like miles so it's tough so if you are restricting your calories you're going to feel very weak it's going to be hard for you to recover from your workouts your joints are going to be a lot more likely to ache and then if you were to throw a water cut on there which so for a lot for people who don't know what you do is you drink a lot of extra water. You drink a lot of water, and then you pretty much just cut out your water and you dehydrate yourself, and your body just pees out everything. It pees out all the water weight. It could be kind. Of, it could be kind of dangerous. So, I, like, I recommend people get help from like a professional when doing this. But all of that combined, and then you have to compete. Sometimes powerlifting competitions are two-hour weigh-ins, meaning you weigh in at seven, and then you have you have to weigh in at nine. Like that's like, it's going to be almost impossible to get like a new personal record when you're like training 20 pounds, when you're, when you're competing 20 pounds under the weight that you were, that you were training in. So that usually doesn't work. I try to advise people against cutting. The only time that I ever really recommend cutting is if it's to like break a record or something like that. Otherwise I just tell people, what's the point? Just like bump up to the next weight class and you'll, you'll have a lot more fun that way. Yeah. Then you can eat whatever you want. (laughs) one of the coolest powerlifting traditions is after you weigh in if it's a 24 hour weigh in uh you eat you you weigh in and you spend the rest of the day just eating like a bunch of junk food and just trying to blow it up as much as possible i love that yeah this is why i gotta get involved Uh, i'll kill stick to my spartan races that's what i do afterwards where it's all like four thousand calories yes (laughs) what, what kind of food are you eating after the the races I, it's a special deli here on Long Island. It's called Seaport Deli, where they make these sandwiches that are no, no joke between 1,500 and 2,000 calories per sandwich. Ooh. And Damn. they're supposed to fill you up all day. I have two of them. Where it's just like, oh my gosh, you cool. just feel like shit afterwards because you just ate so much. I'm going to have to try those if I'm, uh, if I'm ever down there. In, in powerlifting, uh, kind of like one of the go-tos is uh, like salty foods because uh, powerlifting and like weight training, you, you actually do feel a little bit better when you're more, more bloated. So like sushi and like throwing soy sauce on there or ramen, those are kind of like our, our go-tos after uh, a powerlifting meet and just a lot of carbs, obviously. Yeah. And do you, do you want to explain why it's important to have a lot of carbs? Like what kind of energy cycles and stuff you're using during powerlifting? Yeah. So um, for powerlifting, it's a little bit different than like, for example, like let's say uh, running. Uh, for us, we, we perform a lot better when we're using carbs as opposed to like fats because the, the way that our workouts are is it's not – it is like a lot of fast twitch muscle fibers, but we are just kind of like sitting down for a long time. Like we are – powerlifters do sometimes take up to like 10-minute rests. I don't – I think that's a, that's a little too long, but like the workouts are – pretty pretty long so you do need something that is going to kind of sit in your stomach for a little bit longer and it is going to last you probably like two or three hours a lot of powerlifters end up drinking a lot of electrolytes so like body armors and like gatorades during the workout so yeah it's, it's very important it's going to be really hard to put push at maximum force if you don't have anything in your stomach yeah and it's the 
carb cycles that we're using that you guys are using while burning is completely different from that of let's say like a marathon runner or a sprinter and kind of aerobic kind of training where you're not using that fat oxidation cycle so you're using you're getting atp from quick energy sources with those fast twitch muscles so it's quick and then you recover quick and then you recover which is why you have those long breaks and your muscle fibers need to think up to like 120 minutes to fully uh, sorry 120 seconds to fully recover with a plus and minus, obviously, depending if you're trained and untrained. But that's why you get your long, long breaks. You get more power out of each lift. And you're eating a lot of sugar because of the kind of cycles you're using, to, which require more carb-based as opposed to fat-based. Exactly. Very interesting. Yeah. If you ever go to a powerlifting meet, it's, like, so gross. I think some people, like, overdo it. But, like, you're just seeing people eat, like, gummy bears and, like, donuts and stuff like that. Like, throughout the day. Which I don't recommend. Like, I kind of see why people do it. Cause it's fun. It's kind of fun too. You know, it's, it's almost a little bit edgy to like post that you're eating sour patch kids while working out, which kind of like almost defeats the purpose of like exercise and like health, like, which, is, which is like what a lot of people think, but uh, it does, it does help. It does help a little bit. You know, like I said, I think some people go overboard. Uh, I still think that uh, you should at least have like 80% clean diet. And then the other 20% can come from like fast digesting carbs and stuff. I love that, man. A lot of insight into the powerlifting world. And I think I really learned a lot. But to kind of start wrapping things up, you have any advice for people going forward? And then have to give us some advice and then tell people where they can find you. Yeah. So my, my advice for just people in general is to just always do the, the smallest amount possible. Like you don't have to do a crazy quantum leap in life. All you have to do is like it's the small little habits that you do every day that will eventually add up to like a huge, you know, you'll get that compound effect. So just read 10 pages of a good book per day. Listen to like a 20 minute podcast every day. Uh, go out for like a 10 minute walk. Just do one extra rep on your squats. Do one, uh, five extra pounds on like your dumbbell press. Just little things every day like that will eventually add up to something big. You don't have to go out there and read a whole book. You don't have to squat a hundred pound PR you don't have to like try to lose 30 pounds in like one month. It's just the little, little things here and here, here and there. And I think that applies to anything. Uh, now, yeah, in terms of uh, where people can find me, people can find me on my Instagram, which is uh, the underscore chosen Juan one, or people can also find me on my website, which is Juan Salgado trainer.com. And on there, I have a free ebook for people that you can download. That's titled eating out while dieting. And on this free ebook, it teaches pretty much uh, people how they can have a social life, still go out to eat at their favorite restaurants, and get to their fitness goals. So that's completely free. People can download that, and it'll send it to your email. I love that. And maybe you can send me that link, and I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that way people have access to it right there. And thank you guys for joining us on this week's episode of Health and Fitness Redefined. Don't forget, Hit that subscribe button and join us next week as we dive deeper into this ever-changing field. And remember, fitness is a journey, not a destination. Until next time. For us, we know what it's like to feel unhealthy, depressed, and downright defeated. We want to show others there is a right way. And through fitness, you could do anything you set your mind to. Fitness can give you that motivation, confidence, energy you need to bridge that mental gap and prevent you from missing important life events. We understand it's about feeling better, living longer, and being good examples for our kids. We understand this 
because we live it. And for us, that's the redefined difference. <laughs>